Welcome to the 99th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-hosts Tyler Yarnell and Will Peck. Today we give our tiered rookie rankings for the 2021 rookie class and how we would be drafting them in one QB leagues. Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. The NFL Draft is in the books. Very exciting draft. I think it played out very interestingly. A lot of really interesting uh, drafts, landing spots for some players, some really detrimental landing spots and draft capital for other players. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of the information that we need to know in order to move forward in terms of dynasty analysis, rookie draft, redraft, sleepers, buys, busts, sells, all that good stuff, all the fun fantasy stuff that we want to talk about. And we're going to start things off with the rookies in specific, because there are a lot of you that have your rookie drafts coming up and you want to know how you should be valuing certain players. So we like breaking rankings up into tiers, and we did that for the rookie rankings as well. Um, we're going to start things off with tier one. I believe we're going to go through about six or seven tiers today. Tier one, um, we got Najee Harris, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. Any of you guys have any uh, thoughts on tier one? or is this, I feel like it's pretty chalk. Like These are pretty much the top skilled players at their respective positions. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, this is – probably going to be this is like one one quarterback standard or ppr format good call but um yeah Najee harris definitely my 1.01 um he's going to come and be three down workhorse for the steelers um even if they don't have a competent offensive line like he's gonna he's gonna be given all all the opportunity to be um a top running back in this week so um he's my undisputed number one um, and I think that Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are interchangeable depending on how you're feeling. Um, personally, I'm just a Pitts guy. I think that having a tight end uh, that's as dominant as he is, is just, it's a leg up in, in your leagues when you consider that, like, there's Kelsey, there's Darren Waller, and there's George Kittle. Like, those are the three elite tight ends. There's not really anybody else that you can fully rely on to give you consistent numbers week in and week out. So um, I think that Kyle Pitts definitely has that, that type of potential. And if you're able to get that in, in a rookie draft, I think that you, you should probably take it. So uh, personally for me, he's my number two. And then I put Chase at three, but I'm not going to argue with you if you put Chase ahead of him. Yeah, I agree with um, you and you, Tyler. And I, like Kyle Pitts, the only thing I'm a little bit worried about is how Julio is on the outside and then they have Ridley still there. So I just think maybe like throughout the season, it's going to be like a little bit inconsistent just because of the amount of targets and the amount of like superstar weapons that they have. Yeah, so. I agree. I think the the volume is going to be interesting for Kyle Pitts. Um, if you look at just like the Vegas betting lines, I believe Najee Harris is at around like 900 or so rushing yards. Uh, Jamar Chase is at around 1,100 receiving yards. And Kyle Pitts is at around 880 receiving yards. So uh, Vegas thinks Kyle Pitts is, or uh, Jamar Chase is going to be probably offensive rookie of the year. I guess that makes sense. Um, I agree with you guys, though. I think Najee should be the 1.01. I don't really care so much about the offensive line and its state right now. I think Najee is far and away the best running back in this class. I We've been consistent on that. And the landing spot in Pittsburgh, I'm not so concerned about the situation around him. What I do really like is the staff the coaching staff that he landed with because Mike Tomlin has been very vocal about having a workhorse he's shown time and time again that he likes having that 
and that consistency on one, two, or first, second, and third down. And Najee Harris is going to play all three downs. Um, Anthony McFarlane get a few plays here and there. But would, would anyone be surprised if Najee Harris had a, like over 320 touches this year? Um, not really. I mean, I'd be a little bit surprised. What is that like? He'd probably have to get somewhere around it's close like, to 20 a game, I believe. Yeah, he'd probably have to get something like like 40 catches or something to get there. Or I think he'll get that easy, honestly. I think he should get 40 catches. We have 17 games. If he gets to 50 catches, I think for sure. I think for sure he'll get there. And he plays all 17 games. Uh, the fact that there's a 17-game season now, like it's it opens up opportunity for stuff like that. So I think that he definitely has the opportunity to get there. I think that he'll probably end up somewhere around the 300-touch range, though. Yeah, that's where I'm projecting that. And like that, I mean, <laughs> 300 touches, how many running backs in the league get that? It's very yeah. few and far in between. So um, I, this tier is you want to draft these guys at the top of your draft. I don't really care about landing spots for other guys. These are the three most talented players. They landed in spots where they're going to be maximized. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to see a ton of targets. Kyle Pitts, if Julio Jones is moved, you have a realistic conversation about Kyle Pitts being a top five tight end in year one. Um, until that happens, maybe you can temper expectations a little bit, but Kyle Pitts, man, he's generational. He's the one true generational talent in this class, I believe. Um, Jamar Chase might be close. And uh, anyways, let's keep it rolling here. Tier two. This is an interesting class or interesting tier. I think uh, a lot of these were influenced by landing spots. Um, we got Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, and Devontae Smith. I don't believe that's in any particular order. Will, how would you rank these three in terms of how you would order them within this tier? Javante Williams and then Smith and then Etienne, Ooh. probably. Interesting. So no love for Travis Etienne. You're not an Urban Meyer fan. Is that true? Yeah, I'm not an Urban Meyer fan. I don't think he's going to – it, like based on like him coming also and also James Robinson's there. Like I don't see Travis Etienne being a good back for him. Yeah, it, I mean I think Etienne like he's a good player and I think he's gonna catch a lot of passes, um, which has been got kind of gassed up to be like his biggest strength. I think his biggest strength is still running the ball outside and getting home runs. Um, so I think it's gonna be kind of like a Ingram and Kamara type role where James Robinson handles a lot of the first and second down and then Travis Etienne handles a lot of third down, but I don't think he's the type of player that Kamara is. I don't know if he can handle that pass catching volume and run those kinds of routes. So Etienne's interesting. Um, I think he still has ridiculously high upside because he's going to be catching passes and he already has that connection with Trevor Lawrence, whatever that may be worth. Um, Javante Williams, number one, I find that very, very interesting. Uh, Tyler, any thoughts on how you would rank these three? Yeah, I just think that Javante Williams after this year has a honestly this year has an opportunity to be like a like a very fantasy relevant player. Like depending on what happens with Melvin Gordon, like he I just think that he's very talented. This offensive line, it's not great, but I think that it's getting to above average. Um Mike Munchak, baby. Yes, sir. Uh they're they're adding some talent every every year through the draft. Um and the young guys are getting better. Um, but yeah, Melvin Gordon, I think that he, he would either get moved or it'll be like a one-two punch between the two, which isn't the end of the world. Like we, we've seen two fantasy relevant running backs in a, in a backfield before. And I think that this offense is going to be a little better than last year. Um, 
you look at the offense as a whole, like Noah Fant was hurt for most of the season. He was dealing with an ankle injury. Um, Cortland Sutton was out from day, pretty much day one. I think that he got hurt week one, 20 CL. He'll be back. Um, so the weapons will be healthy. Jerry Judy, year two. Um, like I said, the offensive line will be better. I think it'll just be a better offense. Uh, hopefully, I pray, I pray, I pray that Drew Locke gets better um, or <laughs> or T- Teddy Bridgewater just – puts up better production, but um, I think that they're going to be a little bit better than last year as far as an offense as a whole. And I think that definitely benefits uh, Javante Williams. But I mean, after this year, the outlook for Javante Javante Williams, sorry, uh, looks fantastic. Like, I don't think that Melvin Gordon will be returning. Um, And I think that he'll be, unless they add another running back, which they probably should, um, I think that he'll get a pretty good workload, but, um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel good about Javante Williams. I think that he's a great dynasty pickup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, middle of the first round, uh, depending on what your league format is, maybe a little bit early in the first round is where I think Javante Williams should be going. I think with this year, I do worry a little bit as to what Melvin Gordon's role is going to be. I think they will be a one, two punch at the very least. But at the same time, Melvin Gordon is really good in two places. He's good at catching passes and he's good near the end zone. So those are two of the most valuable places. That's why we were on Melvin Gordon as a top 12 running back last year. He finishes RB 13 with all his ups and downs throughout the season. Um, I think Javante Williams is going to be interesting to see what his role may be. But at the same time, Melvin Gordon's 28. The Broncos traded up in front of the Dolphins to get Javante Williams. This kind of reminds me of what teams have done in the past with like Jonathan Taylor, the Colts traded up to get Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, obviously tore his Achilles, but someone that is going to come along strong by the end of the season. I think that's what Javante Williams could end up becoming. I don't know exactly what his fantasy value is going to be. I don't think he'll ever reach that workload of a Najee Harris, but I think Javante is interesting. And as for Devonte Smith, which we have not mentioned, um, I think it depends on what your team needs, whether you need a running back or wide receiver, but at the very latest, I think it should be going 1.06 in one QB leagues. In Superflex, obviously, probably three to four spots later. But Devontae Smith is going to see a ton of volume, and he's going to get a chance to be an alpha from day one. Is Jalen Hurts good enough as a quarterback to maximize Devontae Smith? That remains to be seen. But Devontae Smith is going to have a chance to get around, I'll say, 120 targets as a rookie. And that number alone is going to be really impressive. Um, Vegas is not as high on him as I believe we are. I think they have him around like 800 receiving yards as a rookie. But Devontae Smith, if his skills translate, which we believe they will, could end up being a really, really good player. Um, How many targets, if you guys just had to throw a number on it, how many targets do you think Devontae Smith gets year one? Will, we'll start with you. Higher than 100 because, like, who else are they throwing it to? Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager. Miles Sanders. I mean, they're gonna throw the ball five hundred plus times. Let's just we know that's what they are. None of them are like proven. So it's all and it's a new system. So like they were drafted into a new system. Nick Sirianni, new offensive coordinator, new everything. So I think this is like the first pick into their new scheme. So I think he would have the most. Hundred targets as a rookie, Tyler. Yeah, I'd say around hundred, maybe one hundred and ten. I I'm just worried that he might struggle a little bit in his first year. Um, with, with Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure if he's the, the franchise quarterback, but um, I mean, his overall outlook, I think that this is a great fit for, for both sides, Eagles and Devonta Smith, because he's going to have the opportunity to be a number one. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that he gets around 100, 110. 110 that, would, that would be a win, honestly. Like, 100 targets as a rookie, and let's say we can assume that either Jalen Hurts is going to end up becoming the guy and he ends up becoming the quarterback for the franchise, or they have, what, three first-round picks next year. They can, yeah. they can bring in Russell Wilson. They can bring in anybody. Like, <laughs> nothing is outside of the realm of possibilities for the Eagles, and that is a really good sign. If he's going to be the true number one, uh, which I believe they drafted him to be. They have Demonte Smith. You have Jalen Rieger as your explosive wide receiver two. Really, your third option in the passing game. Dallas Goddard as your technical second pat or second option in the passing game. Um, they have some weapons there, but Will, like you said, they are improving, so it's going to be interesting. Um, but I'm I'm excited for Devonte Smith. I think he definitely belongs in this tier with Williams and Etienne. I think he's honestly a safer bet for production throughout his career than both of these guys. But obviously, you want to try to get that uh, high volume running back before you get that high volume receiver. That's kind of just how the way Dynasty works, unless you are really really rebuilding, in which case you want to try to get the receiver because they last longer. Um, moving on to tier three, this is all receivers, and this is just speaks to how deep this wide receiver class was as opposed to how shallow this running back class was. So all receivers here, no quarterback, no tight end. We got Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, Terrace Marshall Jr., Elijah Moore, and Rondell Moore. Um, the ordering between these five really doesn't matter to me. I think all of these guys have potential to move up a tier depending on what their roles are from day one as a rookie and how they produce year one. But this is pretty much just putting players in a bucket of talent and landing spot combined with meeting draft capital thresholds. Like both these guys were drafted either round two or round one. Um, I mean, between just pick one player that you really, really, really like from this group. Tyler, we'll start with you. I'm kind of between Babe, Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore. Uh, Bateman's been growing on me, but um, I mean, from the time he got drafted, uh, I, I've, I've really liked Rondell Moore and the fit with the Arizona Cardinals. I think that eventually he'll surpass Christian Kirk as the, the number two option in this offense, just because Kirk, I mean, he's just super inconsistent. Like he, he has stretches where he looks good and then he'll just completely disappear for like half the season. Um, that's just how he's been throughout, throughout his uh, three-year career. And um, I think that Rondell Moore is definitely more talented than him. I think that he could be uh, a very good compliment to DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the field in this uh, Cliff Kingsbury offense um, with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Um, I just think it's a really good fit for Rondell Moore to not be asked to be a number one in this offense. And, you know, you have Christian Kirk still there um, to kind of pick up the slack for him to not be the number two. So he can kind of work into his role. And I think that in the second half of the season, he's going to be very electric in this offense. Wow, no mention of a former pro bowler, maybe future Hall of Famer, A.J. Green in that offense. That's very interesting. Um, <laughs> I actually completely forgot about that. I'm sorry. Um, no, but I still think Rondo Moore could end up being the number two in that offense, even with A.J. Green there. Like, A.J. Green last year was – Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't – He Terrible. doesn't look great whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> Joe Burrow was targeting him. He was giving him targets, and he just was not. He had expect. eleven targets one game. Five yeah. of them were in the end zone, and he had That's what, like three? I think like three catches him. for like fourteen yards or something. Like it was, there were some struggles for AJ Green last year. Hopefully, he's able to get back on track. But um, I like that Rondo Moore call. Um, Will, who's your guy from this tier? I gotta go with Bateman, just because Lamar. It's always seemed like Lamar needed a wide receiver. Marquise Brown can't get 
any space whatsoever. And still Marquise Brown did like a good job his first two years, like not like an average job, but he's gotten in like seven, eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But I think Bateman can do even more than that just because he gets separation off the line. And he also doesn't get like a lot of penalties. I think Marquise Brown does. And I just see like Bateman has a lot more potential than um, a lot of those guys because a lot of those guys are in like crowded, crowded uh, wide receivers. Like Waddle has Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Terrence Marshalls with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder, um, Denzel Mims. Just a lot of them are crowded. I just think Bateman has like the most potential just because he's like, who else is there? Marquise Brown. Uh, Mark Andrews. Andrews. Okay. Yeah. Mark that's Andrews. literally, that's, that's, that's it. it. And I mean, we've, we've been on record before speaking on, on Hollywood Brown and the fact that he should have been sold earlier in the offseason because it was almost inevitable. And then when they made that Orlando Brown trade, it was like, okay, are they going to take a receiver at 31 or 27? And they took one Rashad Bateman at 27. Um, I'm pissed that you took him because Rashad Bateman's my guy from this group as well. Uh, he's just, he's so good. He's so, so good. I love Rashad Bateman. But I'll actually talk about, hmm, let's see. I'll go Elijah Moore, actually. Um, I understand that the receiver core is crowded right now because they have Jameson Crowder, and that's a bit of a redundant skill set. They're both kind of like true slot receivers. But I don't know. Elijah Moore has been my guy. I've been watching him since he was in high school, so it might be a little bit of a homer here. But he is a dog, and he fits kind of in a place where no other Jets receiver does because you have Denzel Mims. He's kind of like a Devontae Parker, Preston Williams type, where he can catch the YOLO balls down the field. And you have Corey Davis, who's someone that's going to run more deep intermediate routes. He's not so much of a short route guy. Uh, he's a good play action receiver where he gets you on in-breaking routes. Elijah Moore is a little bit of everything. He can, he can do run after the catch. He can run the short. He can run the deep. He can run the intermediate. And he can play inside too. Like he's a great release. So I think it'll be interesting to see what his fit is. If they run three receiver sets in New York, I think Elijah Moore could very, very quickly uh, become one of the steals of the draft for the New York Jets. And that alone is going to be really, really exciting. So we'll see what happens with Elijah Moore. I'm excited about Elijah Moore for sure. Yeah, what I was going to say about Elijah Moore is that um, I think that his fantasy value, at least for this year, solely depends on whether Jamison Crowder is cut or not. I think that they can cut him without taking on any dead cap this year. Um, mm-hmm. You can double check that for me, but I know that they can. Uh, yeah, you are correct. They can save the entire 10 million for free, like just cutting him right now. Obviously they shouldn't do that because you want to have as many options as possible, but at the it same time, like, if, yeah, if you could like, you can trade him for like a, what would you say? Like a, like a sixth round pick. I don't really know. Like Jameson Carter's a good player. Uh, he can yeah. have value somewhere for sure. I just don't know where, but he does have a bit of an expensive contract. So it would have to be a team with cap space, but I mean, it, it's a realistic possibility that Jameson Crowder like is not this coaching regime's guy. Instead, they get Elijah Moore, who they took at the top of the second round. And so first receiver they took after rebuilding the offense a little bit in the first round with uh, Zach Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker. So I think Elijah Moore is going to be imperative for Zach Wilson's development too, because he just loves throwing the ball downfield and like having his receivers make highlight reel catches. But if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, he's got to hit the open guy and Elijah yeah. Moore, more often than not, is going to be really open. Like, he, he's good. He can separate, uh, especially on the interior. So, I'm excited for Elijah Moore, although I would have talked about Rashad Bateman because that's my guy. Uh, another yeah. point to, like, the to that, 
San Francisco also does like a lot of play action plays and they're going to carry that over to like the Jets now. So I think a lot of those plays are for Zach Wilson are just going to be like schemed up like what the Browns did. So I think Elijah Moore is going to be open a lot. Also like those yeah. tight ends. Yeah, they're going to use – I'm excited about the Jets' offense, which is weird to say. Um, but, like, I feel like they're doing things the right way. I, I've been on record saying that I don't really like Zach Wilson that much, but I think Joe Douglas is kind of putting him in a situation to succeed, which he did not do with Sam Darnold beforehand. Um, obviously, that was at the end – or the beginning of Joe Douglas' regime and the end of Sam Darnold's regime or career in New York. But um, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what the Jets end up uh, cooking up over there. Um, tier four, this one is interesting. We got the three quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and then we have two running backs, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, and two wide receivers, Kadarius, Tony, Dami Brown. Um, Tyler, which running back between Trey Sermon or Michael Carter would you prefer in this grouping? Uh, I definitely prefer Trey Sermon. Um, you know, we, we've, we've seen time and time again, uh, the, the 49ers creating a uh, fantasy relevant running back out of someone that's either undrafted or taken like mid to late rounds. Like they, they can turn, um, they can turn someone that doesn't have a lot of draft capital and um, make them fantasy relevant. It's mo- mostly due to their, their offensive scheme, but a lot also a lot to do with the, the offensive line that they have. Their whole offense is predicated on the, on the run game because through the run game, you can create play action and uh, play action creates open opportunities when you have um, a respectable running game. So um, I, the, the 49ers took Trey Lance or Trey Sermon, sorry, in the third round. Um, I think that he was their highest, uh, highest running back taken for them. And I, I just think that he's super talented Uh I mean, if he was taken in the first three rounds, I think that he could have been very uh, fantasy relevant for this season. And, um, yeah, I, I just really like the fit. Um, I'm a big Trey Sermon fan in general. Uh, I'm just – I'm feeling Trey Sermon. And with Michael Carter, I mean, we mentioned before that uh, the, the, the coaches from San Francisco, um, Robert Saleh, who's now the head coach for the Jets – Michael Floor, uh, who's now the offensive coordinator for the for the Jets, um, they're bringing a lot of the same stuff over to the Jets, and I think that one of those things is going to be having a running back by committee. And the fact that they only added Michael Carter to this running back group, uh, they still have Ty Johnson, um, Tevin Coleman, or the ghost of Tevin Coleman, whatever. Oh, Tevin Coleman as well. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it looks like they're going to be in a in a committee as well. Um, so it's basically their offense is just going to be like a, like a 49ers light, but very light. So, um, I mean, I just think that Sermon's a superior player. I think that he's in the superior situation. Yeah, I agree. And you want to hear something crazy before Trey Sermon in Kyle Shanahan's entire Niners tenure, they had only drafted one running back since 2017. And that was Joe Williams who was drafted at the end of the, with a conditional fourth round pick. And he, I think he played one snap in total for the 49ers before getting hurt and then flaming out of the NFL. Um, so Trey Sermon, the, the first guy that they've taken within the first three rounds at running back, very uncharacteristic for the Shanahan's. But I think with drafting Trey Lance, 
maybe they think they can kind of move away from we need the fastest running back possible to, okay, we need one of the smarter running backs possible because Trey Sermon is really strong, really smart, and he's got a little bit of wiggle to him. I think he's going to be a really good fit for them. It's going to be interesting. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything that's going to happen with the Niners. Um, it still could end up being a committee, but this is the most draft capital that they've spent on a running back. They traded two fourth round picks to trade up into the third round to get Trey Sermon um, while they already had uh, another third round pick coming at 102. So they really identified him as a player that they wanted. I wonder if that has something to do with Trey Lance. Maybe they want Trey squared in that backfield. We'll see, but I agree. I'm really intrigued in Trey Sermon. Um, I think you shouldn't overvalue him too much because there is a lot of uncertainty. Like he should not be going in the first round of rookie drafts this year, I believe. Um, more so, I think he's a good pick to make in the second round, but not in the first. I, I, I really don't think that's worth it. And same thing stands for Michael Carter. Um, like you said, the committee is going to make it uh, very interesting there. He didn't seem like the kind of guy that is just going to become a workhorse. I think at best he becomes a piece of a committee and that's, I'm not really going to over invest capital into that, but will honorary Giants fan, Kadarius Tony. Tell me about why the third wide receiver, no, the fourth wide receiver off the board at pick 20 is sitting in tier four for us and not with the rest of them in tiers one or two. Because of Jason Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the reason, right? That is 100% the reason. That is the exact reason. Uh, Jason Garrett, the whole season was just designing curl routes for everyone. He's not the best <laughs> at utilizing a player's skills, even though Joe Judge is great at saying that in press conferences. Uh, Kadarius Tony has the potential to be really good if he they utilize the skills right. So like, he could be like a Curtis Samuel type player just doing literally everything. But and he's really, really good off after the catch. I think like if Jason Garrett decides to use him, you're, you're taking a chance on him basically. He, he could either be really, really good or complete bust John Ross yeah. level. I a hundred percent agree. And it, it's weird that he went in the first round. He really should have been a second round guy because like those boomer buzz guys with really high ceilings, but really low floors, that tends to be where they go. But Dave Gettleman, I mean, I guess he traded back once and he forgot all of his rules and he got his guy. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think he's also a guy that should be taken probably in the second round of rookie drafts. I don't, I think it would be uh, an embarrassment if he fell to the, to the third round. Like he's really, really talented. And Tyler, you've been the first person to say this and I will die on this comparison because it's honestly perfect. But like Deontay Johnson is one of the players that comes to mind with just get him open, scheme him open and he will go to work. Like he is so good after the catch. Um, and you will, you're putting up your hands. Uh, he has hands. <laughs> Kadarius Tony did not drop a single one, pass. One, a single... one drop. He had one drop. One drop out of every season one yeah he played he only played wide receiver for one season so uh tyler you're spoiling our one secret. job man no but he did i think that drop i need to defend my guy deontay I, I can't help it De deontay <laughs> has thousands of drops he's like evan ingram <laughs> i'm aware yeah deontay uh he, once he fixes his hands up though he's still gonna be great um but i mean yeah that is tier four uh the quarterback's they're honestly interchangeable for me. Like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. I was going to ask what uh, short answer, who would you prefer out of the, these three guys? And if you want to include Wilson, you can include Wilson as well. I'm not including Zach Wilson. He's like two tiers below. Um, but uh, I think the player that I prefer, maybe not the best talent. I think he's honestly the third best talent in this group, but who do I trust to be developed into a almost superstar quarterback? I think it's going to be Trey Lance 
because his he's the best runner out of his entire group. Um, he may not be the best passer. He's pretty inaccurate right now. But, I mean, if you can see the field the right way, which is why Shanahan drafted him, and you can move and run the way that he does, um, I, I think there's a lot of Donovan McNabb there. And Donovan McNabb in today's NFL would be a fantasy cheat code. So I think that's a similar, similar type of thing that he could do. Um, I would take Trey Lance. Uh, I would take the value of Trey Lance because he was getting drafted later than most of these guys, definitely later than Trevor Lawrence. Um, I know, Tyler, I picked Trey Lance and you picked Justin Fields in back-to-back picks in our uh, rookie draft just now. So, I mean, I think Justin Fields is a better player, but I trust Kyle Shanahan to develop Trey Lance into the better player long-term. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, they're interchangeable. Like either one of the three, I just take the last one that's on the board. Honestly, I wouldn't fret too much and try to take Trevor Lawrence in the middle of the first round when you can get Justin Fields and Trey Lance in the middle of the second round. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, Deami Brown, just another guy that, and we've talked about him at length, good landing spot. He's going to get thrown to, and he's going to have an opportunity to be a good downfield threat. Uh, but he's also not going to be the alpha in Washington. That is Terry McLaurin's job locked up tier. uh, I believe this is what tier five tier five um we got three guys here this one's a little interesting very short Amon Ross St. Brown Pat Farrymuth Amari Rogers Will of these three which one would you want to draft say if you were on the clock at the end of the second round St. Brown 100% just because he has the most potential out of any of those guys right there you're drafting kind of like best situation yeah most yeah and I think he is in the best situation right now all of the wide receivers on the Lions are nobodies so it's just who's stepping up in Dan Campbell's breaking kneecaps offense. So. <laughs> yeah, they came out today and someone said that, uh, I think it was Jared Goff that said they're going to be running spread concepts, which if that's the case, Amon Ross St. Brown could see 100 plus targets this year, which for being a fourth round guy is, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. He's very comparable to like a Cooper Cup. Like he's kind of like that slot receiver that yeah. just wins at every part of his route. He's not super athletic. Uh, he's not crazy overwhelmingly strong or anything he's just a dog and he plays football the right way so i i'm in Ross st brown is the guy that i would go here too tyler any objections to that absolutely not i mean if you if you're in it for the long haul you can you can have some consideration for firemouth mm-hmm. but uh i mean monroe i think he's he's definitely the guy here um like you said they're all the opportunity in the world and I don't think that – I mean, you could contest that Amari Rodgers is better. I don't think that you can contest that he's a lot better than Amon mm-hmm. Ross St. Brown. So, um, I mean, I, I think that he is better than Amari Rodgers. Amon Ross is better than Amari Rodgers, in my opinion. So, uh, I, I would definitely take him. Better, better talent, better opportunity. Yeah, and kind of like Will said, at this point in the draft, like when it's so late, you just want to get guys that are going to be on the field and that you can see them early on. So, I mean, if you don't see a rookie for the first eight weeks of the season, that rookie can end up getting dropped if you need to. But if Amon Ra is playing from day one, he's not rotting on your bench. He's gaining value for you. So, I mean, if you can get someone that you take him either late second round, I mean, he might go a little bit higher than that because people fall in love with landing spot, in which case just take whatever value falls down on the board. But if you can get Amon Ra like late second round, early third round, and then he's playing the entire year, you can trade him for like an actual second or maybe a low first going into next year's draft. If he just gains that much value, then you're in pretty good shape. Like, I mean, you just, at this point, you just want to try to get something that's going to turn either into a really good player or someone that's going to turn into an asset quickly. And Amon Ross St. Brown pretty much checks all the boxes in that he's a fourth round pick, but he's going to be on the field as if he was a first round pick. So 
Yeah, I want to. I would also like compare him to like his situation. I feel like Michael Pittman, because just because they're like they're on the field. Mm-hmm. Michael Pittman was on the field a lot. Like he, even though he wasn't doing like a lot of like production wise, he was on the field. He was gaining experience, and he had also like those big random games. Yeah. So sometimes, like I think he has the possibility of just doing that same thing and then gaining value, like you said. Yeah, and they, I mean they played together in college too, which is actually pretty crazy. Uh, Michael Pittman and Amon Ra. So. Yeah, I mean, that is that class. And then, I mean, if you want to go into like the later third round kind of guys, you got tier seven. I don't even know if we're going to discuss these guys very much. Um, Nico Collins, Dwayne Eskridge, Kenneth Gainwell, Brevin Jordan, Chuba Hubbard, Elijah Mitchell, Zach Wilson, Des Fitzpatrick. I think for this specific grouping of players, the ones that I would consider are the Houston Texans on this list, which are Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan, just because, I mean, some someone has to rise to the top in Houston because Brandon cooks is going to be there, but they're still going to be throwing a lot. They don't have a good defense. They're going to, they're going to full rebuild. Um, same thing opportunity. These guys could be on the field. They could turn into something and that alone can gain value. And that is something that should, there's a chance should be taken on those kinds of players. But I mean, outside of that, um, a lot of these guys, you need a lot of things to break the right way in order for them to turn into something really, really good in the NFL. And I don't really know if that's going to happen. Like, this is why third, fourth, fifth round picks um, in rookie drafts aren't worth much <laughs> because it is very, very hard to strike gold in those rounds. And, and it's possible, but you probably just want to get the guys that are going to be on the field from day one and then they gain value um, from there. Um, with all that being said, we have about like three or so minutes. Any last words from this uh, biggest takeaway from this draft, Tyler? Just the, uh, the NFL draft in general. Yeah, just the NFL draft in general. Uh, hmm. I mean, you I mean, can talk hey, fantasy uh, too. Pat Fryermuth over in Pittsburgh. Next Heath Miller, baby. That's all I got to say. Totally not a homer pick at all. <laughs> Will, last words. Chubba Hubbard's my guy. <laughs> Chubba. Chubba Hubbard. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, he's not my guy. I think I've been vocal about uh, – me thinking that his his production is a bit of a fluke maybe not a fluke I mean he earned it but uh it's not something that I think will translate to the NFL he did land in a good spot though like if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt then maybe he can be like an RB4 um I don't see him being like much more than like a flex though like he's just not that good in my opinion um well, <laughs> only God. only if McCaffrey gets injured McCaffrey's injury prone now so yeah it gets gets hurt once uh injury prone that's yeah that's how they teach them nowadays. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have many takeaways. Honestly, I was – I think the top part of this class landed in really, really good spots. But outside of that, it's almost a guessing game as to who's going to end up uh, rising to the top. I think the players that I'm most interested in are the players in Tier 3. Uh, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, Like, Jalen Waddle himself, I think, landed in a really good spot with the Dolphins. Sixth overall, Will Fuller's only there for one year. So, if Jalen Waddle shows out year one, maybe they don't re-sign Fuller. And Jalen Waddle could – walk into a lot of volume from a quarterback that he knows well and a system that will probably benefit him. So he might not get the most volume year one, but Jalen Waddle is someone to keep an eye on for sure. Um, I wouldn't hesitate to take him late first round, but I wouldn't take him over anybody in tiers one and two for us. Um, uh, Terrace Marshall as well. I think he could end up becoming something really good. Joe Brady loved him at LSU and he went out and he drafted him in uh, the NFL. So he fell a little bit, but he still went in the second round, checked all the boxes. That class or that group between Bateman, Waddle, Marshall, and more and more again, 
I think there's going to be one or two really, really, really good players from there. Like maybe Pro Bowl caliber players. We'll see who it ends up becoming. If I had to put money on it right now, I would probably say Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore. But it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see where these guys end up. And we got a whole lot of draft stuff to talk about. I think next week is going to be talking about which veterans have been affected the most in the NFL draft. Um, And kind of like a, a hint to that, we'll be talking about T. Higgins a lot next week. For sure. That is for sure. But with all that being said, thank you guys for listening. Adios. That wraps up our post-draft rookie rankings. Thank you for listening. If you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Take Fantasy. We're posting rookie spotlights, coaching impacts, and tons of dynasty content to keep you prepared for the post-NFL draft, free agency, and now the NFL season.